This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's going to Wesley up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the not Texas football insider, but I am with the new Texas football insider. Mike Craven, man, we had a recap episode, your first official introduction to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing, man? We're heading into week, uh, I guess, official week two now. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I got started at the right time. I didn't have to deal with any off-season angst or anything <laughs> like that. Just uh, I start, and we're already in, in week two. So uh, this is going to be a week where we really start to learn uh, about the colleges in the state. Yeah, uh, you come right in, and UTSA has one of its biggest wins, probably its biggest win in program history. I mean, that's, that's I why y'all hired me. You knew was, <laughs> UTSA was on an uptick. You had to get a roadrunner in here. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, we'll talk about that, uh, get some news. and well, actually, It's not really that many news and notes. We'll kind of touch on a couple things as we get to those teams. We're going to run through the games uh, in order from time, uh, go, leading up from uh, the 2.30 slot all the way up to the 8.30 slot since we got a West Coast game going on this week, too. Uh, we're just going to jump right into it. Let's get to it. 2.30, ESPNU. TCU versus Cal. TCU is favored. Uh, the spread is 10.5, minus 10.5. What are you thinking? Um, I know Cal did not look that impressive against Nevada. Uh, Nevada also might be pretty good. Uh, shout out uh, Jane Ovell, I believe, is the head coach yep. there, uh, former OC at Texas. And he has that program looking pretty good, but Cal, you know, last year only played about three games, didn't look that impressive. Again, comes out this week, did not look that impressive. TCU really can't. Uh, to me, you really couldn't tell much against Duquesne. Um, what are you looking for from the Horn Frogs this week? Yeah, I think this is a, a game between kind of two unknowns. Like you mentioned, Cal just hasn't played much football in the last couple of years, and I think that's mm-hmm. why you see TCU minus 10.5. I, I think in a normal uh, time it'd probably be TCU minus 7, 7.5 in right. there. But um, TCU at home. Uh, against a West Coast team, you know, I, I think they definitely have the advantage. And it's just about if that offense can be more explosive. We know the defense is going to be good. We know the offense is, is probably going to be consistent and not make a lot of mistakes. Can they get Quentin Johnston involved? Can Zach Evans have a big game? Can those recruits that they've really kind of hung their hat on the last couple of years, can those guys step up offensively and create some explosive plays? Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at the game that they had against Duquesne, right? They come out, they do what you, they want, you wanted them to do, right, 45-3. to three. But, you know, Max Duggan kind of plays okay, right? Nothing really crazy. Um, but, again, you really can't make any definitive uh, uh conclusions about that offense and what they're kind of what you're kind of seeing I hope that I mentioned it I hope that pass rush really gets going for them this week I'm going to take them in the 10 and a half I not really that again mentioned Cal kind of underwhelming Um, I'm really worried about uh, kind of how they can if if TCU's pass rush can get going I really worry on how Cal can kind of uh, withstand that so yeah if TCU can win the line of scrimmage they win this by two touchdowns yeah for sure let's move on to another game where I'm really intrigued by Uh, also at 230 on Fox, Big Fox, Big Noon Saturday. Uh, Texas A&M is minus 17 at Colorado. This one's interesting because 
you know, last week was a decent test for him, right? You got you face a decent program. Uh, Sean Lewis is a good coach at Kent, and it made some good, you know, quote unquote, good mistakes, right? Get him away against a team you're favorite against. Colorado, step it up a level, a little bit of a level. Um, Colorado's not quite exactly what you know we uh, to the level, but you kind of hope that. I think I, when I looked in the offseason, I looked at these kind of games. A and M's one of those teams that you realize is is a step above these teams recruiting wise, you know, coach wise, things like that. But they haven't really put their foot to the gas against these kind of teams, right? You don't see the Bama score that we saw against Miami, right? When it's like there's a gulf of talent, forty five to three, right, fifty to ten. I kind of want to see a little bit of that. I don't know if we're going to see exactly that, but I want to see a game where we see A and M's better. We kind of they and they kind of assert themselves as the team aspiring to be Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. And that's the level they want to be at, and that's the level that the talent is at. And so Texas A&M is in this spot where they haven't won the big one yet, but they have the talent there to do that, and it's a mentality. It's it's coming up with that idea inside the locker room that it doesn't matter who we're playing on Saturday. We're Texas A&M. We have all these four- or five-star recruits. We're cruising. We're going to go crush those guys. Right. That's the hardest thing to do in sports is to consistently beat teams that you're better than in an impressive way. I'll take Texas A&M minus 17 because I think Haynes King is going to have a really big game. I think you know his, he got some nerves out of the way. He didn't have the mm-hmm. performance that he wanted to. I think Jimbo is going to put him in every single possible situation to kind of have that feel-good confidence booster game. What I'm excited about this uh, is it's two great uniforms. Like the, yeah. hel- the, helmet, the helmet game, and this one's going to be really good. It's going to be a real good throwback game. And uh, I, I think Texas A&M is going to play – Really well because they had that Kent State game was one of those where you win, but mm-hmm. if you're Jimbo Fisher, I bet he was happy they played kind of sluggish. Oh yeah, there was a lot of film room stuff to go back to. Really kind of heavy, you know. Hey, these are our expectations. We did not play up to them. Are you going to do that against Colorado? I think they come out and do that. Yeah, former Melissa quarterback Brandon Lewis, a quarterback at Colorado, didn't play great against uh, Northern Colorado. They only won thirty-five-seven. Offense looked fine. He only threw for about one hundred fifty yards. Ran the they ran the ball okay. So I think this is one where. Even if Haynes King comes out, makes some mistakes again, I think this defense is just going to be able to sit on that game and give them an opportunity. Moving on, let's talk about the Roadrunners. At 5 o'clock, ESPN 3, no spread, but this is the game you're going to be at this weekend. UTSA takes on Lamar. What are you thinking about this one? What are you hoping to see? Because, you know, it is is a game where, you know, you can only take so much from it, and we kind of – we learned more, but we learned enough about UTSA versus Illinois last week. For, uh, what are you kind of uh, looking for this week? Yeah, I think if you ask Jeff Taylor, it's probably going to be to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going to want to stay healthy in this game, and then it's to not have a letdown. You yeah. know, you had a big win on the road uh, against a Power Five school. Can you come back home and show that you'll play a certain way no matter who the opponent is? Mm-hmm. And UTSA is at that level of, at a program where they have to learn how to play that way every single week, and so. If uh, if you go and you watch it and they take a step back, that's going to be disappointing. If they go and they really just kind of keep the foot on the gas and do what they're supposed to do against Lamar, I think that's a sign of a locker room that knows that their goals are bigger than just winning individual games. Sure. I think the other thing, I mentioned it with A&M. UTSA, or UTSA hasn't, I'm trying to look at it. The UNT win last year. I think they won, they beat UNT 49-17. That was really the only game they blew a team out. Right. Right. And last year, again, it was a lot of a lot of, you know, they didn't have a spring. So it was a lot of scrapping game plans together, things like that kind of on the fly. But even against SFA, they only won 24 to 10. 
right? Teams that they're clearly more talented against. And so that, to me, is you can do it to a lesser extent with UTSA than I was talking about with A&M. But I would like to see this game be a 42-10, right? It's a very sizable difference, kind of showing UTSA, okay, now we can really start to flex our muscles as this uh, breakthrough group of five powerhouse. And you can get sincere on the bench. Oh, 100%. You can let some younger guys get in there and play. And for a program the size of UTSA, any chance you can to build some depth and to Mm -hmm. give them experience for later on, in the year is going to be uh you know pretty big yeah and i real i just realized uh mike chandler got in for uh, lamar former converse uh, judson quarterback so gonna be th- a lot of judson on judson yeah i think i want to say he was with that i want to say he might have been the quarterback since your senior year okay. i think because i know sincere played with julon yep. and uh i want to say mike chandler was the quarterback for that uh so that's interesting i think he might have played with uh wisdom as well um so that'll be yeah that'll be in some interesting uh, reunions going on um, moving on from that one, you know, I, I don't think we have to talk about picks in that one. Of course, UTSA is going to win. Uh, this one's a little interesting. Rice versus Houston at 5.30, CBS Sports Network. This is this is kind of where the state of Houston is. Houston's only minus eight. Yeah. And, man, what? <laughs> that's a depressing line. Um, especially because, you know, for – Three-ish quarters, Rice looked okay against Arkansas. The defense played really well. Uh, game got away from him late. I just don't see the offense there for Houston or for for Rice to really make this a game. I can see the front seven frustrating Clayton Toon. We know Clayton Toon can be really inconsistent. I can see this maybe being fourteen to ten at the half. But I think Houston eventually easily covers this. Yeah, I think Houston covers, at least in the second half. Yeah. Um, it's one of those games I'd probably, as a gambler, I'd probably stay away from the game line, watch <laughs> the first half, and then jump on whatever the second half line is. I believe that we normally take a little too much from week one. Mm. And this may be one of those games where Houston comes out and plays really well, and it's like, okay, that week one performance was just an aberration you know, right. type of thing. Uh, and it really just comes down to if Clayton Toon takes care of the football. If you tell me he has one or fewer interceptions, Houston covers with ease. If you tell if you tell me he has two or more interceptions, I start to think Rice is Rice is in this one. So um, I, I know that can be a little simplistic, but I, I do think uh, right now for Houston, it's just a matter of taking care of the football because they're going to be better at every single position than right. Rice. So just don't beat yourself, and, and you'll be you'll be okay. Yeah, I'm wondering because I think it was it might have been two years ago in 2019. It was after Holgerson, I think kind of did the whole red shirt thing and we were kind of like oh you know what's kind of the the vision I, I forgot what game it was oh i think it was against north texas where it was like oh what's kind of happening here north texas they were kind of still on that good trajectory and then they just came on squash north texas and it was like there is a separation of talent here yeah. i'm wondering if we're gonna get the same the only difference is i think the this is weird to say because dana holgerson's the head coach of houston i think the coaching matchup might be a little bit uh, in Rice's favor because I think Rice is doing what Mike Bloomkin wants to do better than Houston is doing than what what Dana Holgerson wants to do. So I'm curious how that plays out because you meant we we mentioned it when when Clayton Tune presses right he throws four interceptions against Texas Tech right with a 14 point lead um, and so I'm wondering if they get into those tight situations do they just stick to the game plan do they just stick to what's stick what's going well um the one thing i think i would like to see them run the ball a lot better exactly they ran the ball 35 times for 77 yards i mean if you're and clayton Toon can run the ball right so i think he's gonna be have to be involved in the running game but if you're a mobile car you gotta produce more than that like i know you can produce more than that so i think that's gonna be the big one for me 
minus eight, you know, I think that's a very that's a trap. I think that's yeah. Houston very easily. Yeah. I think that's one of those Rice played really well last week. The score for Houston did not look re- really good and it's right. just one of those things where it's overcorrected too much on the line. Fair enough. I'm going to uh, – let's see. Let's move on to 6 o'clock into the 6 o'clock slot. North Texas at SMU. SM, oh, on ESPN Plus, SMU is minus 21. So, North Texas had one of those games where we learned nothing. Uh, they played – I'm trying to find – trying to remember who they played. It was an FCS team. Um, Southwestern. Southwestern. Northwestern. Northwestern, Northwestern State. State. Um, 44 to 14 and didn't learn much. But also, you know – SMU also played an FCS team, blew him out, didn't learn much. I guess we learned that Tanner Mordecai can throw the ball, and he's actually pretty good at it. Um, do you think that line's right? I go ahead. That lines this big scare me. Yeah, I just I, it just anything over three touchdowns or at three touchdowns feels like a lot to give up um, between two teams. It's not like North Texas is going to be scared of SMU, right? You know, I, I don't think the the gap is that that big. Um, I do think Tanner Mordecai looked tremendous. He looked and, really and good, man. This line probably just kind of indicates the idea of like, oh, wow, SMU is still really good at quarterback, and right. we don't know much about North Texas. I just don't see North Texas having the same success running the football against SMU that they did last week, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure they have a quarterback situation figured out. And so if this comes into a – SMU is going to score points. Sure. And I don't know how North Texas matches enough to get within 21. Yeah, I don't – I think – the big question mark for SMU was the quarterback position, just how good Tanner Mordecai was, right? Um, that's always a question when you really enter into your first year as a starting quarterback. But, I mean, like you've mentioned plenty of times, if Spencer Rattler's not there, Tanner Mordecai's the guy at Oklahoma. Yeah. And so anytime Lincoln Riley dubs a guy as worthy of being at Oklahoma, he's got to be pretty good. Lincoln so. Riley put Tanner Mordecai into the Red River shootout last year. Yeah, that's you true. Know, like, that's a good point. I forgot about the Lincoln that. Lincoln Riley vouch is as good as it gets for me when we're talking quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, and if Lincoln Riley thinks Tanner Mordecai could be a starter at Oklahoma, he can definitely do some good things at SMU. <laughs> good point. Seven touchdowns against uh, ACU for Tanner Mordecai. I mean, and then, of course, we're still trying to figure out what is going on there with uh, Jace Reuter and Asanani. I think it might – according to the snap count, it might be Jace Reuter. Um, I think we might still see both just because I feel like both guys are going to struggle, so I don't think there's going to be real solid foundation there. But, I mean, like you mentioned, DeAndre Torrey is not going to get 244 yards this week. He's so. not going to average 10 yards a carry nearly <laughs> on 25 carries or whatever right. whatever crazy thing yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I will take North Texas to cover that. Just because that spread is a little scary. But, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 17 or 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I don't know how many hardcore gamblers we have. This is one of those where you buy the hook and you get right. it at 20 and a half and you take SMU minus 20 and a half. That way, if it is a three-touchdown game, you, you win on SMU. That, <laughs> exactly. That, that is my gambling advice. I was about to say, no, this is good because we've always done these spreads and we've never actually really had a gambler on this podcast. And so, like, some You're in luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this works perfectly. Uh, moving on to uh, the other 6 o'clock game. Uh, at big uh, – let's see, I'm trying to think. Oh, BESPN Plus – Baylor versus Texas Southern, of course, no line. But Baylor last week, they had, they had, I don't want to say they had a scare. It wasn't that big of a scare. They were kind of in control of the game. But I think this week, I would like to see the passing game get a little bit more going. Uh, defensively, it looked fine. They shut out Texas State. They shut down Texas State's offense. Um, but last week, you have to remember, they won 29-20. One of those touchdowns was a pick six by the defense. 
And so I would like to see the running game looked fine. Tristan Ebner looks really good. Um, I would like to see Gary Bahannon going a little bit in the passing game, get him moving a little bit, get him scoring a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be, I would be stunned to not see Jacob Zeno at some point. I would like to see this wide zone offense really get going because, like, I think again they played an improved Texas State team and improved Texas State defense. Now you take that down a level. Here's a chance to, like you mentioned before, don't get hurt. Show what you got. Let's get some guys in the game. And build some confidence. Yeah, 100%. You know, Bahannon needs, needs one of those games where it's like, okay, that's the dude. You yeah. know, like that's why he was named the starter. Right. Um, let him have some confidence. Let him, you know, really throw the ball around, do what he does best. Uh, and you just want to stay healthy. You want to look impressive. And you want to have some good feelings. You know, yeah. You want to start to have some good – and like you said, defense was really good. Running game was fine. Their offensive line graded out number one on PFF yeah. for, for college offensive lines this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. So – if they can get some consistent quarterback play, that's a solid football team. Yeah. And you just you need to build that confidence in these first couple of weeks before Big 12 play really gets going. Yeah, I was trying to find Gary Bahannon's stat line really quick for that. He was 15-24, 162, right? Fine. Not great. It's just the push. You, you need more explosive plays. Yeah. Right? Your average completion shouldn't be near 10 yards. That should be your average attempt. Right. And so they just need to – when Baylor is good historically, they are an explosive play offense. They're yeah. never going to be air raid, you know, that what they were previously. Right. Um, but they can create some big plays. And if you, if you can do it, you're going to do it against Texas Southern. And yeah. if you can't do it against Texas Southern – then those are bigger red flags they have to address. Exactly. That was only that averaged about just under seven yards per play, which, again, if you're a passing quarterback, you know, Jeff Grimes, kind of you want those numbers up. Uh, de- offense was definitely buoyed by Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner, who combined for over 200 yards on the ground on under 40 carries. And so it happens with good. inconsistent young quarterbacks. You know, you 100%. want to take the, the easy pass that you've been drilled in, like this guy's open, this guy's going to be open, right. this guy's going to – well, occasionally during a game, you got to push the ball down the field. And that just comes with, you know, reps and playing and, and, espe- and seeing it happen a few times. Yeah, and especially in the offenses that they've run at Baylor, too, right? You mentioned under Matt Rule, like, of course, he ran that. It was like a power spread, right? And then they wanted to kind of exp- uh, expand it last year under Larry Fedora. He really kind of couldn't do that. So it was just like, all right, back to what we what they're used to. So, yeah, it's, you know, second game in this new offense. Hopefully he can get some uh, some some downfield reps going. Uh, six thir- also going on at 6 o'clock, ESPN Plus, Texas Tech versus SFA. No spread for that. I like this matchup because SFA is a decent program. They've recruited FCS insanely well. Like, I feel like if we put them in the if we put their recruiting metric uh, rankings in the FBS, they'd be passing up a lot of teams. They might be in terms of just raw rankings. They might be ahead of programs like Texas State and just based off uh, just based off uh, evaluations, Rice potentially. Yeah, UTEP. Yeah, UTEP definitely UTEP. Yeah, it's it, Colby Carthos got something really going there, and so Tech should win this game, of course, but. They're going against guys who more or less are a group of five roster, I'd say. Yeah, well, especially a defensive line, linebacker. They, they get some of those guys out there in East Texas that may slip through the cracks, either, mm-hmm. you know, grades, maybe some personal stuff in high school. You know, what, you know maybe they're an inch too short or a right, couple tenths too yeah. slow or something like that. But they can play football. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're coming off an emotional win. Uh, you played really, really well in the second half. You, you dominated in ways that Texas Tech hasn't dominated in a long time up front defensively. Can that carry over? Can you yeah. be consistent? Can you do that against the team you're supposed to beat? Matt Wells has some good feelings going on. Can they continue those? And in, in a in a emphatic win kind of goes, okay, this team is really what we saw in week one, and, and they need as much of that as they can because he entered this season with a lot of question marks. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm looking at <clears> – <throat> 
last fall when SFA decided to do their uh, fall schedule, I mean, these losses, 14-24, uh, 24-14 to UTEP, 24-10 to UTSA, they get blown out by SMU, um, and then 56-14 at Memphis. But those two games, I mean, UTSA, UTEP, lose by 10, lose by 14, that's not bad. Like, if you're, again, if you, this is this is a, a, a young roster, right? That's why, I think that's why he ran that um, that fall schedule is because he realized he had a lot of young guys and just wanted to get them reps, didn't matter how, whatever. And Colby Carthel brings a lot of swagger to those guys too. So, again, not saying this is going to be an upset, but this is I this is a good team to kind of throw. It's just kind of keep try to keep that that feel good going for yep. Tech. Um, you're going to get punched in the mouth a little bit. These guys aren't going to lie down, right? I would I this if I you know if there, if there's a, there was a spread, it'd probably be Tech minus thirty point thirty and a half or something. I think you, I would not be surprised if SFA would cover something like that. Um, Again, I think they have a lot, a lot of uh, good talent on that team. So, um, I would like to see. I would also like to see uh, uh, Tyler Shuck throw it a little bit more. Um, I know uh, Taj Brooks was a bell cow for them. He's going to be that uh, them that for them this season. Um, Tyler Shuck, I think this is a game where he could air it out a little bit more. Um, moving on to six o'clock, Texas number fifteen. Texas uh, AP poll came out. Uh, just before uh, before we recorded, number fifteen Texas at Arkansas Southwest Conference throwback on ESPN Texas minus six and a half. Based off last week, I like Texas to cover that man. Uh, Arkansas did not look that impressive to me um, uh, offensively uh, for a lot of that game. They, like I mentioned uh, in the the recap, KJ Jefferson had like one breakaway touchdown early, and that was kind of it for a long time before the fourth quarter against Rice. I really like Texas, especially if, if what we saw wasn't a flash in the pan, and that's actually something that is is. Uh, let's put it this way: I don't know anything. I didn't see anything that was that that would indicate that it was a flash in the pan. Like they were just winning up front. Bijan Robinson was finding holes. They were scheming guys open. Like that's something that just that just can continue. So I like Texas here. This feels like one. You know when you see a Vegas line, and you're like, well, that's easy money. Yeah. It usually means it's not. <laughs> right, right, yeah. This does feel like one of those Texas played as well as they could play in week one. Arkansas didn't play very well at all. Mm-hmm. Minus six and a half looks like free money. I think this may be one of those things where Texas kind of take, you know, they've probably thought about that opening game yeah. for a long time. You watch this tape on Rice versus Arkansas, and you're probably not going to be as impressed with Arkansas, you know, as, as right. players or whatever. True, true. Uh, will they kind of tiptoe into a game where the, you know, maybe this Arkansas Texas rivalry isn't what our parents knew it to be, mm-hmm. uh, but it matters in Arkansas. 100 percent. It, it absolutely matters in Arkansas. They're going to be up for it. It's in Arkansas. I think it's going to be a close game for a lot of it, but mm-hmm. I think Texas does to Arkansas what Arkansas did to Rice, where it's. It's going to be close into the second half, and then eventually Texas goes, well, we're way better than this, and right. they kind of break out and get over the six-and-a-half points. I just say this to say, if Texas wins by three, I wouldn't be too surprised because yeah. this is mm-hmm. going to be a dogfight between teams that care about each other, and it's a you know it's a future SEC matchup. That is very so true. We'll, we'll see. The consistency, like we talked about earlier in the show, the consistency is the hardest thing to do in college football. Can Sarkeesian get his boys up? a week after beating a ranked team 20 points to to play a team that struggled against Rice. We'll see how how good he can do that. Yeah. I think the one thing that I'm interested in is uh this came out after the 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 game I think or actually came out this morning from CFB numbers a sub a really good Substack on uh, Twitter that um did like a recap of the, the advanced stats recap. 
The first game in the Steve Sarkeesian era result, uh, results in a 97.8 win expectancy victory over a ranked opponent. These are the types of box scores you see last year with Alabama. Absurdly efficient through the air, explosive offense, complimentary rushing. Louisiana didn't play a bad game, just didn't have enough high upside offense to keep it going. They go in and break down a little bit more of Hudson Card's uh, efficiency. And it's the metric of where Mac Jones was. Yeah. And like again, not saying he's going to be Mac Jones or even put up that consistently, but it shows what Steve Sarke- what why they brought Steve Sarkeesian in, right? This this high explosive, high octane, maximized efficient offense. And the fact that they showed that in week 1 against a really good team, it shows where this team can go and like you mentioned, I think their biggest opponent is going to be themselves, not feeling themselves, you know, like trying not to get too lost in the fact that, oh, it was Rice and, oh, look how close it was for most of the game. That's a good point about staying focused, keeping those guys going because, I mean, this, like you mentioned, this could be very much a blowout game if they wanted it to, but three points, you mentioned it. I, I, the the Arkansas-Rice is a good kind of like comparison of, for three quarters close and then maybe running away late. And, you know, I, I think I can say this confidently – you know, Texas hasn't had an offensive coordinator that's going to out-scheme other teams in a while. Even when Matt Brown had it going, Greg Davis yeah. wasn't that guy. No, no, no. Uh, he lined up with Roy Williams, B.J. John, you know, Sloan yeah. Thomas, and said, we're better than you, and right. we're going to beat you. Uh, Charlie Strong, the same way. Tom Herman, the same way, for good and bad. Mm-hmm. Sark is the first guy who at Tech is going to have that talent and go – I'm going to create some advantages with personnel and scheme and that kind of stuff. And we saw Bajon Robinson get used in ways that Tom Herman would have never even thought of. Right. And that that's, that's more about Sark than it is about Herman. In mm-hmm. my opinion, he's that good as a play caller and he's the X factor. This yeah. Texas team is good and it is talented. And they also have one of the best play callers in the nation. I think it's him and Lane Kiffin in terms of like creative offense. Give mm-hmm. me those two. Yep. Moving on to our second to last game. Also at six o'clock. On ESPN Plus, Texas State at FIU. Texas State plus one and a half, which is depressing because FIU is not that good. Um, you know, I to me, I, I guess it's just a home field advantage because, again, FIU is not that good. The other storyline in this one, former Texas State head coach Everett Withers is the defensive coordinator at FIU. Um, that's going to be, as, as, as somebody who sat in many Everett Withers press conferences, that is going to be mentioned to the team at practice probably 10 15 times yeah what's the over and under (laughs) oh my god he i i'm curious to see if there's any anything coming out of uh anything coming out of the beat writers of that area just because i wonder if he's available for the media this week let's just put it that way um because he's 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 a guy who he's he was an emotional coach and he's somebody who i think that is something very much on his mind to beating potentially beating his former team i feel like this is a show me game for texas state 100 percent. it's we're gonna know who the Bobcats are yeah. after this game. If they co- if they cover and they win this game the way that they should by at least a touchdown or something, it's like okay, mm-hmm. maybe this formula that he's got going on at Texas State is starting to work. We're starting to see what he's gonna do. Right. If it struggles, all the complaints come out about the way that the roster has been constructed and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, for me, this I, I know it, at FIU shouldn't feel like this big of a game, but right. it really does feel like the season is already kind of right there for Texas State. If they start 0-2, it's a, where is this going to go? Yeah. If they have a good performance on Saturday against FIU, it's like, okay, they were only within nine points of Baylor. Now they beat FIU. This team's on the way up. I think, yeah, I, I, t- I tweeted it after the game. They go against Baylor's offense or Baylor's defense. They get shut down. 
I'm I'm not going to hold a big you know judgment call yeah. on that, right? Yeah. Um, they looked okay. They, of course, Brady McBride shouldn't turn the ball over as much as he did, but again, it's fair. You struggle against FIU, right? And I mean struggle. I'm not talking about he he has to play flawless, but I'm talking about like where they're struggling to score 17, they're struggling to score 24, whatever. Then we start having worries, right? And then you basically. Again, UIW, they should be UIW next week, but why are, you're already week three and you're already at a must win. Yeah. Right? That's, that's I think, the unacceptable part is that you were kind of expected to lose to Baylor, and I don't want to say expected because, of course, you know, whatever. You, nobody expected them to beat Baylor. I think people expect them to beat FIU despite them being an underdog. I think at the beginning of the season, I would have penciled that as a win. Again, you're already, if you fall, if you lose this one, you're already at a 0 and 2. To, uh, to UIW, and then you get Eastern Michigan, which all of a sudden, I don't know, is that a right. winnable game? Right? If you're losing to FIU. Right, exactly. Right. So anything's on the table. So I agree. I think this offense really needs to get going because this is the side of the ball that returned everybody. It returns your quarterback. This is the guy. I think he's I think he's the best quarterback on that roster, but there's some question marks about whether or not he is. And this is Jake Spavadol's side of the ball, right? Whether or not the transfers on defense translate and all that, I think they looked okay against Baylor. I think that side of the ball is good. Jake Spavadol was here to hire, was here to get this offense going. And I think this is the game to really get it, uh, really get it done. And if you look at FIU, that's the side of the ball that they rely on. They were, uh, I mean, they weren't great on either side of the ball, but they were about 80th in SP plus um, versus um, 80th in defense versus 115th or whatever on offense. So that's the side of the ball. If you can capitalize on that, good stuff. Move on, get, uh, get, FI, get UIW at home. Last game. Oh boy, um, UTEP at Boise State, eight thirty on FS1. UTEP is plus twenty six. Um, I gotta say, thank God UTEP's two and zero already because um, they're probably certainly about to be two and one. Um, Boise looks really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, what are you thinking about this one? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those uh, don't get crushed. Type type game if they if they can do what Rice did to Arkansas yeah if they can go up there and play a respectable game for a few quarters you know the depth just isn't going to be there over yeah. four quarters Boise State's just a better bigger stronger more talented deeper football team sure uh, but if UTEP can go up there and and really compete and stay in it and kind of keep the game close and keep the Boise State fans a little bit nervous and something like that I think that's a win I think. If they go up there and they lose by 35, 40 points or whatever, that 2-0 and start doesn't really mean much of anything. So yeah. it's just continuing the momentum. Stay with the positive vibes uh, and you know, covering, keeping mm-hmm. this game close is one of the ways that the Miners can, can start building on that. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've noticed over the past couple of years under Dana Dibble and why this has kind of been a – not in regards to this game in particular, but as a season, why this is kind of a win-now season for him, right? Kind of starting to show – what you've been building, right? You've had these winning, you, these losing seasons. Okay, now let's start to turn that over to like four or five wins. Nothing crazy, but just start to get approaching bowl eligibility. Is because you see the talent now. It's not a talentless UTEP, UTEP team. He's recruited that fairly well. He's gotten creative, gotten a Jacob Cowing out of Arizona, right? He's kept the Deion Hankins at home in, in, in El Paso. And so you have the talent, I think, to not get blown out. Yep. Right to not have this game get ugly, and again, Boise State. This is what Boise State's done always since coming up to FBS is they've blown these uh, lesser group of five schools out and kind of separated themselves in the pack with UCF and the other power group of five teams. And so, I think UTEP's at a point where they shouldn't be getting blown out by this team, this caliber of team anymore. 
you know, I think I think they're good. I I don't know if I want to pick up a cover that. That's that's a lot. Twenty six is a lot. Um, but I, I I see it playing out like Arkansas. I would say I'd say probably in the third quarter as opposed to the fourth quarter it starts to shift. But if this is maybe twenty one seven, twenty one three at the at halftime. I think that's solid. And this if defense I'm is good. I'm interested to going into the third quarter. Hundred percent, it's a success. Right. And this game's on FS1 and not. Aggie vision like New Mexico State was, and I was not contemplating, should I even pay attention to this game? Uh, All right, so you're going to be at UTSA Lamar this weekend. Homecoming. Homecoming, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's homecoming at all, though Lamar would be a good, that would be the right team to to schedule some homecoming. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, But, yeah, we're just, I'm going to do a a feature on Rashad Wisdom. Yeah. Uh, They're starting safety who has a a pretty incredible story. Mm -hmm. And then also just kind of, you know, all the momentum in San Antonio, like yeah. like we mentioned on Sunday in the other podcast, you know, that was their second win ever over a Power Five team when they beat Illinois. The first one came against a, a Baylor program in 2017 that was just kind of starting over from scratch, and so this this feels like the most momentum UTSA has ever had in their ten-year uh, career. You know, they should be able to beat Lamar pretty handily, mm-hmm. um, and it's just about you know kind of how Jeff Trailer was able to build that up during a pandemic. You know, that's right. the thing is he, he did this all. Uh, basically during a pandemic. I mean, there's 25-plus kids from San Antonio in the two deep there, so he's really doing it in-house. And, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time to to be a UTSA fan. And it's just nice to have another team in Texas to kind of talk about competing for a conference championship. I think that – and I kind of want to save it, you know, know, when they do – after you get back and kind of have the story more flushed out and things like that, we can go into more detail. But I think it's interesting that – UTSA was in a similar position before, right? After a first year, first year head coach success, uh, of course, Frank Wilson took him to a bowl game. Things were looking good. It was like, oh man, here we go. And then it never took off, right? It kind of just stayed there. And I think that it says something about what Jeff Trailer's building and how he's building it that they're already looking up. And I was like, ah, here we go. Like this is there again it's a it's almost a letdown if they only win eight games right because the ceiling could be that 10 win margin and i don't know there haven't been any games so far and it's only been you know a year a little less than a year and 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 one game but there haven't been games where you've seen this coaching staff get outworked or out schemed or out prepared and i think that's something that is really going to be invaluable because again they're going to run ups against some teams that are that are probably more talented than them, more experienced than them. But I don't know on this schedule who's going to out coach them. Yeah, that's not a disadvantage they're going to face. Yeah, you know it may be a wash in a right. couple of games or something like that, but right. they're they're not going to get out coached, out schemed. And I, you know, I, I think something that Frank Wilson needs a lot of credit for is these are these are his guys. True, he fair recru- enough. 100%. He recruited really well. Yeah. It didn't turn out to be successful with X's and O's and stuff. But he recruited really well. McCormick, uh, uh, Zachary Franklin, yeah. Harris, all these. He these, really, yeah. he was the one that came in there and goes, okay, we're going to draw a line over the greatest, greater San Antonio area, and we're mm-hmm. going to be the program for him. And he really, he really did a good job of getting those guys on board. And Jeff has just done a good job of putting those guys in the right position and instilling a little bit of a, a culture and a toughness that mm-hmm. maybe wasn't there before. Because it is a hard balance. You're, you're a player coach, and that helps you recruiting. Right. But then how do you really step on these guys and build that tension and, and that kind of – that what you need in football. You yeah. kind of need that. And I think Jeff does a, a, maybe as good of a job as anybody I've ever met yeah. of, of being a player coach, being a guy who can be you know buddies with the guys, be a father figure, be all the stuff you need him to be. But also <laughs> – 
he can step on your throat and yeah. he can get your attention and he can scare you a little bit. And that, right. that's that's a needed thing. And UTSA has kind of found a sweet spot there. And to me personally, it's just how long do we get to keep him? Yeah. You know, and, Man, yeah. and that that's the thing is if, you know, because he's doing, he's doing some big things there and this roster is primed. You know, the, the right guys in the right spots are experienced enough for them to have you know, a historic season. I know that's dumb because they've only been around 10 years, <laughs> but a real historic season that puts them on the legitimate college football map. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I was, I had a thought in my mind about, oh, I think it, I mean, it shows that he is a high school guy, right? Because like you, all those things you mentioned are things that high school coaches have to do basically every year, right? They have to be a, to a lot of these guys, a father figure. Also, they have to be, they have to be that armor on the shoulder, but also you mentioned they got to kick your butt, right? A lot of these guys come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And so these going, especially coming from Gilmer, right? You have so many different uh, uh, walks of life come through there. And, this is just, I mean, of course, he, he's been with college, he's been through with college a couple of years now, but this is just a step, just one little, st- for him, it's one little step up from what he was doing at Gilmer. And he's done it the same way. <laughs> yeah, the 100%. Is the same. Like, you watch, you watch some of the schemes and the way, because when he got there last yeah. year in 2020, mm-hmm. the offensive line on paper was oh. horrendous. Oh, it was bad. And so I remember having a conversation with him, like, how are you going to run your offense with that <laughs> offensive line? He just smirked. You know, yeah. like, yeah, that's, they're better than you think they right, are. Right, yeah. And really what he meant was we're better yeah. than, than you think. We're going to scheme ways to make this an advantage for us. And, again, and that's sincere, a high school thing. It's like different guys. And goes off. Right, right. right. And, it, and it's just like, man, this guy, there's just there's just guys that know what they're doing. And, it's like, again, and it's, it's, it goes back to that, to me, that, that, that high school mentality for him that he perfected where it's just like, yeah, every year i got to change something, right? It's not like I don't get, you know, I don't also, in high school you're not always going to get a star sophomore, right? It's like you're going to get a good senior class. Next year everybody's gone. i got to do it again. Okay, these guys can't block as well. Move the pocket, et cetera. So, no, it's, it's been fascinating. I can't wait to see what happens this year. Again, even as a Texas State alum, uh, seeing what's happening with them is uh is really cool to see and especially because i mean i can't root against jeff trailer who who can root against jeff trailer like he's mr president it's the perfect time to be a utsa fan it really is you you have a a good young program with a lot of momentum in a city that has enough people to really back back them and kind of get behind them if they're good right you have a head coach that is impossible to root against right he's just a nice human yeah and a really good football coach. He's he. If you're creating a coach in the lab for modern day football, <laughs> right? Jeff Trailer's about you know Steve Surratt maybe at Carthy, yeah. You know there's there Scott's are some right, guys. Yeah. Scott's job. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's just like some guys get it. Yeah. Jeff Trailer gets it. Hundred percent. All right. Well, that's not gonna be the last time we talk about UTSA <laughs> this season. Uh, so you might as well get used to that. Meet me. <laughs> there you go. I'm not doing that. But uh, we'll come back to you guys Sunday with a recap pod of everything. Uh, it's an interesting slate. Kind of some again a lot of show me games. Some kind of balance here and there. Um, we got games like like I mentioned A and M at Oklahoma uh, at, at Colorado where it's decent tests. But I'm not really games where I'm looking at you know huge tests, gigantic tests. Um, but overall, it's it's probably an overall a, a good a solid week too about what you expect. Yeah, I, I want to see if Texas can duplicate yeah. their performance, mm-hmm. and I want to see what TCU is. Yeah, and exactly. I think those are the two big storylines going into the weekend. It, you know, can Haynes King clean up his errors? Mm-hmm. Can Texas duplicate the the performance? And what exactly is TCU in twenty twenty one? Yep. All right, we'll talk to you guys Sunday. Peace.